It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. This is the internet's only college football podcast, and if that weren't already true, um, it would become true tonight because joining us uh, to interrupt the usual important discussion of Pittsburgh football and other titans of the industry, we're going to talk to Bomani Jones. Uh, Hey, Bo. What's going on? I did see it's Pittsburgh in North Carolina, and I learned today that Pittsburgh... He has a good defense because I hadn't thought a damn thing about Pittsburgh football at all. <laughs> um, do, should we update him on the glorious progress of uh, Pat Narduzzi towards football perfection? Yeah, when we when we walked into here to do the show, they had just called back a Pittsburgh touchdown, but called DPI on the pass that was supposed to be a touchdown. So both coaches were screaming at the ref at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. And on two oh, wow. occasions, and on two occasions this year. Oh, already? also they fought before opening kickoff because you know that's what you expect of those Mac Brown teams, the chippy. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, and on two occasions <laughs> this year, he's still got some of the last guys players. Pat Narduzzi has on two occasions this year on fourth and short kicked a field goal at the one. Yeah. <laughs> in games One. in which he needed seven to be specific yeah with, with under two minutes on the clock i believe under three and one i know for sure but it's okay because he went into his press conference after both games and made it worse <laughs> by explaining his you. rationale <laughs> i tell you this though if you put me a list of the 130 college football coaches just put them on a piece of paper and i don't know anything about them you asked me to pick out which one of them is the head coach at pittsburgh i think i'm pulling Arduzzi off that list <laughs> what you're like step one go t have y'all have any of y'all ever yeah, met yeah, him yeah. he has eyes like a ninja turtle villain oh like i would i want to play football for pit he, he's got that touch yeah also he looks like a man who hasn't seen the sun in like no that's why like i say he's months. a ninja turtle vision because he's been creeping through the he's sewers, been in the sewers yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um we have uh we have a little bit of official business a bit of podcast business if you will, to cover, uh, which is that uh, in coordination with at the right time, Banner Society has been uh, helping you all out on a couple of things. I was on there to talk about uh, illicit recruiting. Is that probably what we talked about? Yeah, we basically just rattled off a roll call off the top of our heads of our favorite college football scandals involving boosterish behavior. Yeah, that's really all we're going to do tonight after this, by the way. We're just going to like Here for sh- shout out everything else that we've we've done. Um, because this is the week that we discovered that the biggest one-day download in shutdown full cast history 
was not any of our championship specials, not recording from the Rose Bowl, uh, not even the time Lane Kiffin got fired at the airport. Nope, Hugh Freeze in the hospital bed. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, the biggest one before this was when Hugh Freeze was fired over some uh, some FOIA the first documents. Time. So now he's done this twice. Yeah. Hugh, Hugh Freeze is our, our most reliable content. Well, Hugh Freeze continue to do crimes that this show may go on forever. Um. I you feel also, like Hugh Freeze getting busted for those numbers coming up on his phone bill is really underrated in the grand scheme of college football. That did not stay with us like, long it's enough. It's a shame that story was wasted on such a yeah. It's such a rapid news cycle, and it really cost us what it should have been for not just any guy, but that guy to get caught like that and then go get the job at Liberty. How do we not talk about this more? I think they've actually taken a, a pretty good approach for the, the current news cycle, which is this. Just keep doing crimes. Yeah. If you just keep doing them. They'll stop talking about the old crimes because they have to cover the new crimes. Yeah. We lost Bo. Yeah. It works. Right. Oh, hold on. I'm, I'm oh, here. Back. Folks, you'll be happy to know our audio is contagious and it spreads to any guest. It's that New York internet. It ain't as it ain't as good as that Oxford Mississippi internet that Hugh Freeze used to. No, I had like <laughs> I was trying to like Bluetooth headphone it, and it felt like it was creating a delay, and so I thought it may have been affecting the quality of the podcast. So I oh, decided, no. <laughs> no, no such thing, no such thing. <laughs> it said quality. We keep we're, we keep it straight punk here, so lo-fi, lo-fi. Yeah, you're no, right in line. Delay, nobody likes the delay. And like all the my favorite punks, it's not because we're that anti-establishment. It's just because we're poor. Um, you also had uh, you also had Marcus Spears on. Uh, we're yes. gonna close out and we're gonna close out the four part series uh, with Joel Anderson, friend of both programs. Um, just uh, if you want to understand, like I think from every single perspective, the various skullduggeries that happen in college football, uh, recruiting wise, and in terms of power players, uh, it's a really good intro. I mean, I'm, of course, you know, shining my own badge here, but like we did a great job. Yeah, let's do one that doesn't shine a badge. Um, if you like this mini series from the right time, they did one, but was it over the summer on the max contract era? Uh, that was also really cool and really informative. You can scroll back to the archives and check that one out. I am glad that you enjoyed that because I really worried that that was just a little bit too nerdy. Gabe pushed on that and got through and people really dug it. Even for having marinated in Grantland for two and a half years, it was something that I didn't feel like I had a really great grounding on, like historically and context wise. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, I do imagine that Grantland is a place full of people that really, really, really get off on things like mass contracts and mid-level exceptions. I didn't watch basketball when I got until I got there. Like I had never because I didn't grow up around basketball unless it was Pat Summit basketball. Um and you kind of can't be there and not watch basketball because it creates a language barrier if you don't watch basketball between you and your coworkers. Well, welcome to the party. It is a weird world. It's not this world's kind of weird, but weird nonetheless. Thank you. I'm a Grizzlies fan. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah. You picked the right one. You, you, you're doing this correctly. <laughs> go, go, Grizz! Um, the, I, I think the one of the best moments that I've ever heard was during the run of grit and grind uh at the peak when john hollinger was asked about playing the spurs and one night they beat the spurs and i think it was a dm that accidentally went out as a tweet where hollinger said somebody congratulated him and instead of replying to the dm he did in the timeline and said thanks it sometimes feels like we're drawing mustaches on the mona lisa but we're doing our best (laughs) good enough for me (laughs) the um, go check out that. Go check out the series that uh, Banner Society just did with the right time. They are both uh, informative and fantastic. Uh, tonight, the notes that I have here, by the way, are just this. Yeah, the, we the, have notes. It says Bomani Scandal Show, and then it says the hits and only the hits. That's it. it, it like that's I just have like a starter list of like. Favorite extremely sketchy dudes. Uh, well, here if we're starting with hits, we got to start with our favorite hit of all, which is Bobby Petrino hit the pavement, and then <laughs> yes. being asked to hit the pavement. <laughs> I have hey, not been man. saving that. I love that guy, and I love that guy just because who lies that fast? 
who goes straight to the lie. And he's a very, it, it was a good lie too, because it was uninteresting. Yes. And it almost worked. Yeah. So it, it almost worked. The, the rumor had been for a long time and unconfirmed that there was no motorcycle accident. Or if the motorcycle accident happened, then the motorcycle accident was not the reason for the neck brace. That in fact, there is this longstanding rumor uh, that the dude who was Bobby Petrino's mistress's fiance tuned him up, which I sort of think that might be wish fulfillment for Falcons fans or anyone else who's been on the wrong end of Bobby Petrinoing. Your face, like his face looks like it rode dirt though. Like his face looks like it got dragged along the ground. I just, that, bad. that was my argument. Yeah. Those yeah. are not, that, those were punched in the face wounds. Mm-mm. Those were, those like, were abrasions. They looked like he fell off a motorcycle. Yeah. yeah. The neck brace was probably the thing where I went, I don't know. That might be, that may be cosmetic. But yeah, I really want to believe that that somebody I think got the, beat the up. The main cosmetics was putting the bowl gear on top of all this. <laughs> was it the cotton the cotton bowl hat? Okay, yeah, y'all, y'all remember that, sitting, right? Like sitting was, on top of his bowl. head. Sugar, sugar bowl, yeah, right, right, right. Like that 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 was the most cynical part of all is that he showed up reminding you what Baby, I remember have done the good time. No one has. <laughs> Did he like? He, at any point, by the way, did anyone point that out in the moment? Because I had totally forgotten that he was wearing the oh, sugar yes. bowl gear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's Bobby Petrino. It. Like, we, we did not give him a moment of leeway on this because it's Bobby. <laughs> like, it, feel, it feels easy to forget that this, cause this was like eight scandals ago, but it was also like eight scandals in, you know? Like, yes. He was a known yes. dirtbag at the time. <laughs> Only more so in hindsight. Bo, I, my, well, I, I know it, you... It, with no charm. With no charm and no, no. personality. It's like, talking <laughs> to, it's like talking to a box fan. <laughs> trying to talk to Bobby Petrino. A, an underhanded box fan. Mm. Oh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> Bo, yeah, I always it... love when you talk about Bobby Petrino because, like, though you have wisely sworn off the Atlanta Falcons, you still maintain the edge for those who have wronged them <laughs> such as new orleans the new orleans saints franchise <laughs> and uh and and the coaching question here <laughs> yes I, I had a little sympathy for him with the fact situation though he thought he was coming to coach michael vick and he got joey harrington fun <laughs> deal that he got and what did he do he got there and he lied to the players and said that we're all in this thing together and he was trying to get the fuck out. The only difference between him and every other player on the roster is that he had the option of getting the fuck out. He just, he bailed. I would have bailed too. Also, I always thought like the juxtaposition between the bail and the recovery is astonishing because it's like, what was the escape pod? Where did it land? (laughs) On the side of the road. It landed. And do you remember the press conference when he had to call the hogs and the look on his face like, oh my God, I'm back to this shit? <laughs> the only the only coach who is compared in terms of stranger in a strange land, I have landed on the wrong island, right? Kind of look was Jimbo Fisher the first couple of weeks. Oh god. Because AM was very much like, here's Jimbo learning all of our traditions and all of our culture. And every shot of him and was And Jimbo's terror. like, howdy. Howdy. How much I get paid for touching this cow? <laughs> I, but, you know, he melts it in eventually he, because he's like, I am rich. You are rich, yes. And I have to imagine that's every conversation. Uh, well, his problem was Texas had the Maccabee situation where Maccabee just never understood that his particular archetype was never going to work there. And so they eventually at Texas got him wearing boots and shit like that, but he just didn't fit. Like, Jimbo's not far away. West Virginia and College Station are really kind of like neighbors when you stop and think about it. But he got there and realized, oh, there's like weird quirkiness to this whole thing. Ooh, man. That's a lot to figure out in two weeks, man. I mean, that's a church with a dog on the altar. Yeah. Yeah, he, he had. Although I, I do think the 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 argument that they were closer than than people thought. Jimbo could go to a gas station and buy a deer stand, 
Yeah. Texas is fine with him. Like, you know what else I think of? See, you were saying West Virginia yeah, and College yeah, yeah, Station yeah. aren't that far apart. You know what else that puts me to mind of? Nick Saban being a really great fit at Michigan State. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when he first got there, and he's like, ah, this is another tarp-based economy. Yeah. I can work with this. <laughs> oh, these, pe- these people have actually had fights with bricks. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. I can do Michigan State. Um. I was. Gonna, I mean, he did that Kent State run for college, right? So, like, yeah. he got his rust belt in. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, he and Gary Pinkle in the same, like, they were roommates at Kent State, which I can't think of, like, a quieter dorm right. room, right? Yeah. Like, Just them both, like, sitting perfectly. <laughs> up. Like, Lucy and Desi on their little beds, just, yeah. like, with books in front of them. Just oh, Good night, Gary. <laughs> good night. And they wake up three hours later. Right. Oh, I'm refreshed. <laughs> I'm refreshed. I'm good. Yeah, this is normal. Humans act like this. Um, I wanted to ask. You said Makovic would never. You know that archetype would never work at Texas. Um, is that what Tom Herman's deal is right now? Like, is he? Is he just kind of well, too much of a? Is he too much of a like aggro dick type dude to be successful there? Well, to be fair, his archetype doesn't really seem to work anywhere as far as relating to people. He just happened to win enough games for that one year. Like, I don't know how it would have gone for him if he had gotten to, like, year three at Houston and they only won, like, seven games. Like, he sold high on that one. Um, Nobody seems to like him. And it doesn't seem to be a particular to Austin thing. It doesn't sound like they liked him that much in Columbus. It doesn't – I mean, he's in Mensa. And that was my first sign that we had a problem here. Because <laughs> he went to Harvard. I was like, do you know anybody that's in Mensa? Because it sounds like people still have intelligence Mensa. has been certified by somebody else who doesn't get in. They still have Mensa and Tom Herman is in it. And that's all I needed to know to let me know to watch out for this guy. And he, <laughs> he really annoys me. I'm just like, when does a coach have time to get into Mensa? And, like, do you think Tom Herman's just sitting around reading books? Because I don't. No, and I... And I bet he's good at puzzles. Like, I bet he wrecks at the Sudoku, or however you say that. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, like, he's cleaning up the crossword in the morning. He's the guy who posts his times for the New York Times crossword on his Instagram. Yeah. Right, like, 11.53, y'all, on a Thursday puzzle. Oh, Mina yes. can smoke him. Come on. <laughs> I, I, I got to admit, I like, yeah. Mina, I, I, I clip Mina most days. I got to start posting proof. Yeah, no, I'll go. I'll go head to head, sir. I know. Wow, that's a serious charge. I'm a I'm a Monday through Wednesday crossword participant. I'm not looking for a challenge. I don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't what, need that much anger in my life. What is what is the easy day? Is there like a noted easy Monday. day? Monday, Monday, Monday. Okay. Yeah, and Monday. then Thursday it's like Monday. fuck you, and then it just Monday. You went through Monday and like, yeah, yeah, but I find. That the farther you go in the cross that I didn't bother to read in school because I looked up once and realized between like sixth and eleventh grade I didn't do a single piece of sign reading and I missed out on the crossword puzzle as a result. Um, I was thinking though that like if somebody you know with Tom Herman you know if he's in Mensa and someone tells you you're in Mensa right um, there this is the equivalent of somebody trying to pick up a woman at a bar and going like I am very rich and I have lots of excellent sex. You should trust me. I have a card that says I am wealthy <laughs> and I have lots of sex. Like, thanks, Tom. You don't you don't have to tell people that. Also, maybe try beating Kansas State by more than a field goal. Maybe, maybe try winning nine games. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, because that yeah, was a field goal. Like that's uh, in first year, Chris Cleman's tenure. That's not. Yeah, that's almost Charlie Strong territory. Yeah. Where did Kansas State find I, their coach? Which Dakota? I. I, I Oh, they did. They did get them from the hinterlands. I do have to say, though, as a program, Texas appreciates beating Kansas State a little more than others do. We've long, <laughs> we long ago learned that this was no promised thing. As I recall, they lost to Ron Prince twice. <laughs> it wasn't that, that just home it, and away. It wasn't happen. just. It was that Josh Freeman. Was Josh Freeman the greatest quarterback in the world for exactly eight quarters against Texas? Yeah, I think one of them was Josh Freeman because one year, uh, did they lose to Colin Klein? It's like the Jevin Seed game. And to be fair, uh, uh, probably. And to be fair, when Colin Klein was there, they were losing to every goddamn body. 
Like, name yeah. a Big 12 quarterback. I did that, that Austin, whatever kid at Iowa State, I feel like he probably beat Texas. Uh, yeah, I don't I think, remember when he played. I no, no, no. I th- he did. No, I think he, I, I think he did. Like, I, I, like that was the great joy of of watching Big 12 football for me. I know people are like, oh, man, the, it's so dynamic watching Oklahoma score points. And I'm like, <laughs> I really just used to crave watching somebody get old manned by going up to like Manhattan, Kansas <laughs> and watching Kansas State run exactly 48 plays for 35 points and 40 minutes of possession. Yes. Um, Hugh Have I ever told you about a story that somebody told me about how in the middle of nowhere Manhattan is right fast? Because like mm-hmm. it, it goes into our theme. Yeah. This guy says he goes to visit Manhattan. He flies into Kansas City. He gets off the plane. He get him in the car. Starts riding. He get to Lawrence. He looks, oh, he's like, oh, we're here. They're like, nah, man, sit back. You got a long way to go. Ride down the road, probably another 30, 45 minutes later. They roll past, I think it's Topeka. He's like, oh, we're here. Told you, buddy, we got a long way to go. They go like another hour or something like that. They come past this other town. So we're here. I told you. Yep. Chill out, man. We got a long way to go. Get to the exit where it says Manhattan. Oh, no, dude. We got a long way to go. And I think it's another 20 minutes after that. That is what you're doing to recruit, to get people to Kansas State. That's why they got to fly everybody in private. And why I don't understand why the rest of the Big didn't have more of that fighting spirit of the Southwest Conference, where you can be good if you want to. It's just going to cost a little bit of money. <laughs> who's never paid up, by the way? Like, who in that who in that constellation's never paid up? At one point or another, right, like Nebraska – most likely had a good solid uh benefits program. I would say benefits package for going to Lincoln. Yes. They'll right? hide guns in safes. They'll hide Kevin Steele hit a gun in a safe, y'all. By the way, like really excited <laughs> to watch him take over at Auburn. Current Auburn defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele, never forget, put a gun in a safe in nineteen ninety five. I yes. want to say ninety four, ninety five. Um. Yeah. So story still in Sports look, Illustrated. If you yeah, probably have the greatest college football team of all time, sometimes you got to put a gun in the safe. This is the trade to have the greatest college football team of all time. That's what it says and right outside fair, the stadium. They suspended Lawrence Phillips for a long time. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> I think my favorite part of that Sports Illustrated story is that I think if I'm remembering the framing correctly, they say Steele and Tom Osborne put the gun in the safe like it took two of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're good. Yeah. Like they were carrying it like on Halloween. Yeah, that gun or something? was going in the safe. Yeah, that gun was going in the safe. Tom Osborne does not seem like a trusting sort. No, no, no. He was there. He was there to watch an account, right? He probably actually wrote it down, right? Gun in safe. He's got like a ledger. Yes. Yeah, he was. He was the guy who was like, "Are you starting?" Um, okay, well, what did you run in the forty this week? Like that was how that was how Nebraska did it. They were like they weren't like that. <laughs> Feely, touchy, like I don't know. They're both pretty even. He was like, "No, Tommy Frazier ran like a four-four, and Brooks uh, Brooks Berenger ran a four-five. So you start." That was how they did it. Like they were not cozy or personal about anything. People are like, "Oh, the Heartlands team." No, no, no. They were ruthlessly analytical, right? On like not a level that we have now, but like they were cold about everything, right down to training. And I won't met like. Their weight training program, which happened strictly on pure Midwestern values and it's white bread training and milk. Because they pull train. We're back to trains in Nebraska again. See, done yeah. and done. But who hasn't paid? Like who? Who never actually ended up doing? Like because if I think of programs like old programs that never had a good moment of like absolute corruption, like Missouri never did that. Missouri's never had like any outlaw period, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Is there like a Jack uh, Mormon BYU booster population? That's a fascinating question. That's a really good question that we should ask Matt Brown. Like the the Pepsi Mafia? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Diet Pepsi, right? Yeah. Yeah. One vice at a time, fellas. Yeah, be like Pepsi-free, whatever the caffeine-free version is, right? Get you a milkshake after 10 p.m. I want to know a nice like, life. The recruiting story I want to know is I want to know the Marshawn Lynch era Cal story. When Cal finally decided to start like recruiting real players and they started going over in Oakland and they started recruiting California and they started taking like 
you like that's where that's where you get really brilliant skill players like Marshawn Lynch, Deshaun Jackson, right? Um, they start they start looking under logs. I mean, like Aaron Rodgers was not an easy find, right? And he ends up at Cal. I want to know what boosters for Cal did that. But see, I think Marshawn Lynch recruited himself basically by saying, "This is the closest thing to staying in Oakland I can get." Like I'd love to know <laughs> how much time Marshawn Lynch spent on the quad. <laughs> I think he probably walked through once a week. Like, look at this. Oh yeah, me. Yeah, like he fall through. Fantastic. Like, like Marshawn Lynch never left home until they sent him to Buffalo. And oh my goodness, I can only imagine what that was. Oof. Is that the saddest human on the planet? Yes. Like at that moment was when Marshawn <laughs> like Lynch think, landed in Buffalo. At, we at think about moment. it being Marcus Mariota going from Hawaii to Oregon to Nashville, but that's way worse. No, that's way worse. Hold on. Yeah. No, Marshawn Lynch is not even the saddest former Pac-12 running back about the fact that he got sent to play in Buffalo. I don't know if we're allowed to mention this gentleman's name. He became rather infamous for non-football-related things after a Hall of Fame career. Oh, but no. that was a dude that really didn't want to be in no Buffalo. I mean, th- wait, man, he was in Buffalo in the 70s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, plants closed. <laughs> Eight feet of snow. An offense that's going to run me 52 times a game directly into the teeth of some guy who's going to be dead in 10 years, right? Like, oh, no, that's that's grim. Every day is a Bruce Springsteen song in Buffalo 1975. <laughs> oh, man. Like, and, and just like, I don't remember, like, because, you know, I don't remember OJ playing in Buffalo. How many times do you think he went back? Oh, Did only when NBC was set up for a broadcast. <laughs> Scrooge I'm be sure back he'll go Buffalo. back there now. Do you, think he... mm. <laughs> Do you think he spent the night? Uh, no. Ever? No. Did OJ ever Absolutely buy a not. house in Buffalo, or did he just stay at a hotel? Doing the Dana. Yeah, the Dana. <laughs> Dana Holgerson with the greatest commute ever. When Dana Holgerson was at Oklahoma State, he did not live in Stillwater. He lived in Tulsa and commuted. And how like, far is that? Consi- oh, it's not. It's like an hour 20 or something, right? <laughs> hour and a half. It's not. He was sleeping in a truck. I mean, <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> know this. Yeah, I just got to get voice, home. His voice has not always sounded that way. I got to get home to Tulsa. Like, what are you doing <laughs> when Tulsa is like the refuge? Right, it's almost easier to go to Oklahoma City than it is to go to Tulsa, which means that Dana just liked Tulsa. <laughs> Oral Roberts University—they got culture. You know, by there. the way, speaking of like scandal, I feel like it's been long enough ago since this happened that people may have forgotten that this man got ejected from multiple casinos in the state of West Virginia while being the head coach. At the University of West Virginia. How hard is it to get kicked out of a West Virginia casino if you're the coach of the football team? And it's Dana, so we were all just like, how droll. <laughs> well, well, there's two things. Dana's, uh, the story, one of the stories mentioned that Dana, it was one of Dana's friends, which makes me wonder, what was Dana Holgerson's crew like in West Virginia when he went out to casinos? Right. Yeah. Which one of them was named Daryl? I picture him having like a Charlie's Angels setup of like mid fifties divorcees. Yeah, <laughs> this here's Wanda. Like hey, he's yo. got back. He's got backup dancers, but they all have lead pipes. Yeah, yeah. And nothing is sadder than a rural casino. No. Like if it ain't on no boat. Mm. No, it's grim. The second thing about that, entire I'm sure situation. that place did not have a luxury hotel attached to it. Mm-mm. Like, if your shit ain't got no quality hotel attached to it, this shit's about to be a bump. Dana, that makes me wonder, and I, I feel like I kind of have a clue as to why a woman frequent these casinos. How sad is it to be still being a person in the 20 teens searching for a place where you can smoke indoors? Because <laughs> sometimes I feel like that's all he wants. I just want to eat my steak and smoke at the same time. I just, just want to smoke inside where nothing can make the smoke go away. It's all I crave. They won't even let me smoke at Waffle House anymore. I know. <laughs> True story. This is why Andrew Sharp left LA and moved back to DC. So he could smoke inside? Yes. Wow. 
That's amazing. You know, yeah, that's a horrible trait. (laughs) Oh, the the other thing that about that entire story is this, and this says a lot about West Virginia that that Holgerson, they that Bill Stewart leaked that. Like Bill Stewart found that out. Bill Stewart fed that. Yeah, Bill Stewart fed that to a columnist. Right. It ended up as a story, and it backfired spectacularly on Stewart. And then he died. Yes, he did. Not funny. A man died. No, it's terrible. It's just like, man, how wrong could it go for you? You get the West Virginia job after beating Oklahoma, right? Which never give anyone, never ever give anyone a head coaching job after they beat Oklahoma. He got it on a tide of feelings, right? And two, he got it on a tide of feelings in a bar, right? With the power brokers that be in West Virginia, you're like, just give Bill the job. God. Yes, and by the way. If you're wondering, hey, guy, if you ever lost your previous job for using the N-word with your players, at what school might you be able to fully get back to the top? The answer just might be West Virginia. Good God. That did Uh, happen. No, that completely, (laughs) completely happened. That did happen. It never came up. (laughs) It's just like, like, when schools lack self-awareness or have enough self-awareness to know that they're that school, like Kansas fired Mark Mangino, right. For a, a, abuse allegations, right. Like there were cases of players being forced to do, I don't know. some like extremely Cro-Magnon Viking kind of, you know, I do a bear crawl on hot AstroTurf for like 80 yards. Right. And uh, they get fired. Like they fire him because they're tired of him. The arrogance that Kansas had to go, you know what? I think we can keep this going. Like, despite the entire history of Kansas, like, football, all the way back. The only sport Kansas has ever been consistently good at is the one where you really need five players, right? Five players and some backups, right? That's the only sport. If you need if you need 22 athletes at a minimum, it ain't your game. Get out of the state, right? You're going to have to do what Kansas State did, and you're going to have to shop for odd parts and sausage casings, right? You're going to have to get that. You're going to have to get that tight. Right. You're going to have to like juco it to hell and get a tight end who can like throw the ball 30 yards accurately. No, but, but we're going to get him there. Right. That's the only <laughs> way you can be good at Kansas and Kansas with Mark Mangino, the guy who got them to the orange bowl. Right. The guy who got them they to won. 11. Win- yeah. Yeah. And they won with like a five foot eight quarterback. Right. And a kid to That's it. Which by the way, if you want to know, there's a phenomenon that happens in college football all the time where there is a white player who is given the lion's share of media attention. Like, this guy is the heart of the team, okay? We'll call it the Tebow phenomenon, right? Where they're like, this guy's a leader. He just anchors the whole thing. And the people who are actually making things happen and, like, keeping the locker room in line and establishing a culture are, like, like on the Tebow team. It was Spikes. It was Harvin. Right, it was the pounces, but they're like, "Oh, that Tebow! Everyone follows his lead." Uh, yeah, I mean, no, he's, he's not the guy that they're afraid of, right? He's not the guy who's <laughs> like actually calling people out in practice and not getting like eye rolls, right? No, Todd Reesing, mm-hmm. great player, right? Do you want to know who really gave that Kansas team attitude? Akeem Talib, right? That's like yes. never gets enough credit. Won't ever give enough credit. He is. I mean, also what must have been in his dossier that he wound up having to go to Kansas. Yeah. 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 I don't think it was, I don't don't think it was good. I don't think it was flattering. Pac-Man Jones had to go from Atlanta to West Virginia. Tell me why. (laughs) I got an idea. My favorite thing about Rich Rodriguez's players, right. Or anybody really, if you see like skill players who end up at like West Virginia, right. Or end up at Kansas. um, You can, you can, pretty much see the story you go pat white ah, he's undersized right like he was he's, he's not a big dude at all right you know but he wanted to play quarterback so and he's really fast so we got him noel divine okay you know had some academic problems and uh you know he's kind of undersized but you know obviously brilliant we got him um and then you see like pac-man jones you go oh man that's a brilliant cornerback no obvious physical sort of you know disadvantages or oddities <laughs> What's up with him? You're like, I don't know. He'll tell a coach to suck his dick in two seconds if he doesn't like what he's hearing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's probably I mean, why dude, he, he produced in Atlanta. Like, I think he like ran for like 1,800 yards on offense, and he was a two-star recruit. 
who got an offer from Duke because he had good grades. Yeah, no, it wasn't even the grades. That's the funniest part about Pac-Man. Like, even to this day, Pac-Man, like, Pac-Man still has all of his money. Yep. Right? Pac-Man's, Pac-Man's got the nice spot. Pac-Man keeps everything in line. Pac-Man is a really smart dude, right? It's just at some point in the encounter with authority, the attitude that he had was, I also have opinions about what should be happening right now. <laughs> he's he's a cat. Is he a cat? <laughs> Pac-Man Jones might be a cat, right? Like, oh. yeah, get off the ch- get off the chair. Counterpoint. I disagree. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I would prefer not to. Like, I kind of, I, I love like the cool hand Luke aspect to players like that, right? Like, hey, you're brilliant. What are you going to do? Um, you're going to have to put me in solitary because I'm I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to eat all these eggs. That's what I'm going to do. I'm Pac-Man Jones, and I'm going to eat all of these eggs in one sitting. I love players like that. By the way, uh, Aqib Talib from Richardson, Texas. His other offers coming out of high school were Arizona, Baylor, Tulsa, Wyoming, and Kansas State. Yeah, oh, now our Kansas Tulsa. State. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. No offer from Kansas State. So <laughs> not good enough for Kansas State. Good enough for Wyoming, though. No, Kansas State wanted him to go to JUCO to get some refinement. I would like, JUCO, so. like, finishing school for Kansas State. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Bill Snyder's finishing school. Like, they all come out with ascots, right? Yes. Going like, Byron Keats or Shelley's, sir. Yes. I am now a man. I am now a man of style and taste. And I will take my fortune and wares to Manhattan, the Big Apple. <laughs> Yo, thinking about scandal, Northwestern. Has Northwestern ever paid? Oh, no. No, no, no. They never. <laughs> no. Like, because if they had, they wouldn't shut up about it. Yeah, they would. Okay, they would listen. have to report it themselves. I, I will actually. I take that back, because I think in the like based on based on what Colorado was like with Gary Barnett and the kind of like low scale stuff that I think they had to do to get recruits. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just say that there may have been a little bit of that. He did get to the fucking Rose Bowl. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh-huh. Then what happened? Yeah. Okay. There was the uh, point-shaving scandal. Yeah. Yeah. There was that. So that's 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 roundabout payment. That anymore. That's like Can we that's bring like, back point-shaving? <laughs> that's like How? that's like self-payment, right? Yeah, by by the way, like you couldn't point-shave this year at Northwestern. They don't have points no. to shave. On the contrary, maybe that's the problem. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> Although shaving is the greatest evidence that nobody's getting paid. Yeah. Which that's just how Patty Fitz likes it. Yeah. I think that's the thing when people say, oh, man, it's rampant. People are being paid all of this money. Um, okay. Compared with college basketball, you only have this many players who can do what you're asking them to do. Right. There's only so many people who are like six eight, six nine, and can play basketball and move. Right. Um, there's just way more of an opportunity to take this much money and apply it to this many players, right? Uh, football, uh, labor, like there are in extraordinary cases, you get people who might be worth six figures, right? To a team in extraordinary cases. I don't know. I'm just going to pull a number at random 180 grand. Interesting. Right. Just adjusted market values around like, I don't know, 2009, That's a good 2010. Seg- yeah. That's a good segue. Just, just pulling one out of the air there. Right. Speaking so of like, people who never paid. It is an ongoing investigation. <laughs> I tell you this, this though, let us start paying players, and that competition for those walk-on spots is going to get powerful. <laughs> it'll be every place will be Nebraska nineteen ninety five. Yeah, that's just a reality show. Once you do that, oh god, what school's going to do that? The reality show to make it. It won't be Alabama because they that would involve too much media access. Uh, the answer is obviously Texas A and M. That's. <laughs> Do you want to be an Aggie? Do you want to be on that 12-man squad? I guess they don't do Uh, that no more, but you know. Got to come to regular church with us, and then you got to come to dog church. Dog church. Then you got to come to after church. Then you got to then you got to listen to all the Eric church, and then then you come to midnight church, and well, we'll see. Then midnight church. Yo, I just want to note that we normally only pay all this reference to a school's traditions when they've won something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. It is it is weird when you AM fans, you can reach Bo at Stephen Godfrey yeah. at bannersociety.com. 
You know who does it really? He's, he's taking all of our comments for Bo. You can just send them all right there. <laughs> I think it's when they get to the fourth thing, right? Like if you have one tradition, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And you're walking around, they're like, oh, well, that's another one. And you go, ah, that's interesting. You have two. And then they're third and you can go, oh, what rich lore, right? Like, wow, such deep culture on this campus. When they get to the fourth one, you're like, that's too much to remember. They this lose, is a cult. They lose me as soon as it's a large group of male college students with the ability to show up in pressed pants. That's not right. At a moment's notice. It's not natural. No. Like, go look at Tennessee. There's a lot of really unironed khakis out there. Rude. Those are my people. I'm speaking Hurtful. from experience. I need, you, right? I need you guys to understand something. I graduated from Walla High School in Walla, Texas. Our school colors are maroon and white. A song was the Aggie War Hymn. Like, I am very much so steeped in the ways of Aggie. And, oh, my God, I cannot imagine, like, going there for college. Like, I don't think that people understand, given who plays football, trying to get people to go there. Like, y'all think that weird stuff is cute. Not everybody responds to it the same way, right? (laughs) Like, it's not like when you hear, like, Southern's band or something like that. Not you in particular, the general you. Here's Southern's yeah. band and are like, oh, wow, this new cultural world, I would love to like indulge in, even if just a little bit. That ain't the response that people have to this Texas A&M stuff when they're not of it. That's not how it works. So you're, so, I mean, you're saying ROTC, the university, doesn't appeal to <laughs> <laughs> broad swaths of young people? I feel athletes? like the ROTC has to be offended as that, like, that ROTC is actually something. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we're actually like putting something forward. And the rest of you are like fake soldiers. So right? when you have a high school like based off the like, you know, the, lots and lots of high schools use like college or pro logos. But when when you use A&M's, do you have to have like your own dog, your own? You know, oh, no, there's only one didn't dog. have a dog. I'm a little surprised in retrospect because it seemed like it would be God. the next level of it. In fact, like who knows? An alum may be listening now and they'll try to find a way to bring a dog. You probably can't do midnight yell for the high school Aggies because of curfew, you know, so you got to do like. 9:30 yell. <laughs> I had a high school teacher who uh he was like he was in the core and so like every year at high school graduation he would dress up in his core suit, you know, like it was a big thing to him. He's a really good dude though, like uh but he did this stuff. Like that was his thing. And he said that the <laughs> the 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 beat that you wanted or whatever you call it in the core was that you wanted the dog cuz you're just walking around campus with a dog and in a uniform that it was just like cash money. And I'm still thinking to myself, though, but you got to be in this to do that. Like, you can get your own dog. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could just go to the shelter. You don't have to do all that other stuff. Dog ain't even got to be cute. Just got to be a dog. (laughs) I was the A&M coming to the SEC, like, made a lot of sense to me. Um just because of the sort of, I guess, they seem to be like the long lost extreme cult variation of what most fan bases in the SEC do anyway. Yes. Right? Um, and, but the one thing that I has been the unexpected benefit of having them back is that they get the rivalry with LSU back, which I can't really explain how antithetical one place is to the other in terms of, like they're both real devoted and they both have football teams. And they're both pretty close to the Gulf of Mexico, relatively speaking. That's it. And they both have, they, they love trucks. That's, that's, everything else is off board, right? I agree. And I have my biggest reason for wanting them there is this will rev up the Texas A&M cheating machine again. <laughs> like if they really want Let's to get creative. achieve where their ambitions lie, they going to have to crank this up a little bit, man. They gonna have to take it to where it's been. There is the person, the the team that Bud Elliott has pointed this out. The, the people who lost out most with the addition of A and M were the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yes, that like Arkansas might never be good again. Like they might never, they might never have a consistent eight to ten win stretch without some serious restructuring. Because since A and M has joined, Arkansas hasn't gotten anything. Like whatever tranche they occupied in terms of recruiting or presence or resources, uh, A&M is completely eaten up. Let's get PAPN for a minute. Should they go triple? Ooh. Should they get real weird? I mean, I, I think they should go the other way, right? Like I think they should hire Kevin Kelly. <laughs> I think they should just onside, no punning, just 
be the future of football if you're not going to be able to be good at anything else, right? The all their their other alternative would be going back. Yeah, and just be the crow back going back to the Southwest Conference. That's what I'm saying. They Arkansas and A and M both need to humble themselves and just come on back to the Big Twelve. Everybody would be in better shape if both Arkansas has a chance at success in the Big Twelve. They have no chance of success in the in the SEC, none whatsoever. And, and they make and they, voila, they make so much more sense in the Big Twelve. You heard it from Bo. He wants the Aggies back. I mean, he misses them. Bo wants Bring to see home. the Aggies again. It's not a rivalry, but they think about it a lot. I'm content to never play them again. <laughs> well, yeah. why should you? You're not rivals. Oh, I'm down oh, to be you? rivals, and this is how you do it. Never play them again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Preserving that rivalry in Amber. The yes. last one went. Ju- the last one just went fine. It was just fine. Yes. That's the thing. To let them go into perpetuity with a home twenty-seven to twenty-five loss to Case McCoy. Case, never play him again. Can I tell you the worst thing I've ever seen on a football field? The worst thing I've ever seen on a football field was Junior Rose Green hitting Reggie Brown in the head. That was the worst damn thing I've ever seen on a football field. You know what the second worst thing I've ever seen was Case McCoy scrambling. Yes. It's the only time I've ever stood up in the stands and, and yelled, get down. <laughs> was watching, like, I did. I was just, wor- like, it, it was panicking. It's like watching a haunted doll run. It was, it was like watching, a, you know, like, uh, in The Sorcerer's Apprentice when they animate a hat rack and the hat rack is like. Yes. Like, yeah, that's exactly how Case McCoy scrambled. Like, those are not human limbs. There was so much contact area. That yeah. was what, what terrified me because all of this was rigid. Like only his knees moved, and the rest of him was completely still, just a big target. Like he he ran like a very upright Forrest Gump. It was horrible. It was yes. the worst thing I've ever seen. And he did it on the way to Texas A and uh, to send Texas A and M. That's what I'm saying. They just got to get that machine back humming, right? Where are the Trans Ams? Get the Trans Ams off the line and into these parking lots. Um, I, I think there would be a Dodge rental car lot now. Just, ah, yeah. Again, just pulling a random, just pulling a random one. I'm not, no program surely does this, but a rental car lot that gave parents, relatives, chargers, put them in their name, and then their kids drove them, right? No program would do that, I'm saying. No right. really successful program would do that. It would no. be a desperate program that would only do that with chargers, challengers, uh, you know, out of a rental car fleet in Texas. Dodge is a moderately priced vehicle. Hey, listen, Atlanta runs on them, man. Do you know, like, every third car here is a Charger or a Challenger? Hey, man, I had a Challenger as a rental in L.A. over the weekend, and that thing goes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've driven the 808 horsepower version of that, so, so oh. yeah. It's, yeah, I drove it to the Masters. <laughs> that was fun to pull up with, with, like, you know, daddy, daddy fishing shirt and his, like, you know, Masters cap getting out of his Mercedes. And I pulled up next to that and let the valet drive it. I let a 17-year-old valet drive an 808-horsepower car. I'm not very smart. No, you're terrific. You're cool dad, kind of. Cool, cool dad. No, just negligent dad. Yeah. Negligent dad and cool dad are right next to each other, yeah, right? Yeah, like that's that that's the stepdad you like too much. <laughs> right? Like buy you fireworks. Has no kids of his own and just stumbled into this. It's like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? I'm going to go live at Randy's house. No. Yeah. Do, do you want to keep a pet raccoon in the house? I'm good with it. If Let's do it. If it's in the house, it's a pet. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it works. It's fine. If you wanted to keep an alligator in the bathtub, Uncle Randy would be fine with that. <laughs> um, with A&M, does Jimbo have, like, the Jack, the, the Jackie Sherrill, like, killer instinct in terms of in terms of being nasty enough? That's a good question because getting... the thing about Jack, Jackie Sherrill, another one of these guys that was two things at once. One – a bit ahead of the integration curve and two, a bit of her head of the crookedness curve because just win, baby. That is why. Right. I like any coach whose record looks like the CIA went through and redacted certain seasons. <laughs> yes. That's, that's when you know they're doing good work, right? You're like, Oh man, he didn't even, it looks like they didn't even play that year, but there's an 11 and 0 record on the side. <laughs> yeah. that's The man had a bull castrated out of practice. <laughs> And by the way, they won that game. Yeah. People forget that part. No, you know, like the greatest the greatest collision of coaching personalities that I can remember seeing like in my pre-professional career 
was watching Jackie Sherrill and Steve Spurrier coach up against each other because uh, one year, Jackie Sherrill with um, a very Jackie Sherrill-ish team, they passed like eight times with Wayne Madkin, and they just beat the hide off of Spurrier, right? Just just in Starkville, it was awful. There's cowbells. Uh, the, the thing's open, right? You can see like like people are just sitting there on the grass outside the fence watching the game, right? Um it, it just it, it just dying, right? Like just forcing Steve Spurrier and the Gators to make all kinds of unforced error. Then the next year, that's when somebody threw a cowbell out of the stands and knocked out a trainer in Starkville. The following year, as revenge, when they were up, I believe, by 40, Spurrier called a deep ball with the backup uh, to score and make it 50 and pointed at the guy who'd been knocked out and was like, that was for you! <laughs> And like I could have watched them do that back and forth forever, because they clearly, absolutely, they did not want to win. Right? Spurrier was convinced Cheryl was crooked, right, and was one of these like prehistoric run first kind of offenses. And on the other side, you know, like I'm sure Cheryl was like, "You pass the ball. You complain about me cheating. I'm gonna beat you by thirty. <laughs> could have watched that all day. Can you imagine how mortified Spurrier was by that loss? Oh no, no, I think. I think he's still bent about it. Yes. Yeah. That was where he accidentally took an intentional safety. Like he told, uh, he told Grossman to take a safety. And then immediately on the sidelines, you saw him go, Ow, dang it. Like he just, he got it wrong when you were supposed to do that. And after the game, they're like, so coach, what was the thinking behind that call? And he's like, I screwed it up. I just screwed that call up. And like Cheryl's, Cheryl's recruiting pitch, polar opposite. Cheryl's like, Hey, you come here. I'm going to make it worth your while. Come Starkville, we're going to make some things work for you. You're going to make it happen. Spurrier, per everyone who's ever recruited him, was a terrible recruiter. He's just like, hey, y'all, why don't you come on down and play some football? You can retire early. <laughs> yeah, that was a chance. Most people work their whole life to get down to <laughs> Florida. Bates will say, like, his big pitch was you could be 65 right now. He's like, most people work their whole lives to come down to Florida. <laughs> you can come down right now. <laughs> it's like, that was, the big pitch was you could be an old man. <laughs> I like it. Why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> and I think most people like his pitch was, I think most recruits were like, hey, he's t- so bad at this. He must be really good at the other thing. So, yeah, I'll come. I kind of wish Spurrier was crooked. Like, imagine that was more fun it would be if he was crooked. Oh, no, I, I think that was his restrictor plate. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have been like, you know, unstoppable. He would have been <laughs> the coolest coach in the history of college football. Instead, he was like, ah, I got to be honest. Otherwise, I'm too powerful. <laughs> How benevolent. You know, because, like, think about who he was recruiting against at the time. He was recruiting against, like... Don't do it. Yeah, Fulmer. All right. Right? He wrote a letter to Fulmer, like, every other year that was like, I heard something, and if it's true, you let me know. And if it's not, quit talking about me. Bye. Like, <laughs> you just, like, send him a letter, like, tell me you're cheating. That's uh, that tell you a Don Day's, like, too. his Spurrier mm-hmm. story. He was covering, I think it was the Fiesta, the 95 Fiesta Bowl. And this is when Spurrier's name is in the mix for the Bucks. I think the time Tony Dungy got the job. And yeah. He's, oh, like, yeah, well, you know, I don't know what it is, but, you know, some coaches, when these jobs come open, people just assume that, you know, you're going to be interested in those jobs. And I guess I'm one of those. And then there's this pause and out of nowhere. Now, why is it that Phil Fulmer's name never comes up? <laughs> <laughs> why, would you, why did you do that? <laughs> Why did you say that? He's not even here. I hear about everyone else's husband cheating on him. Why don't you? Doesn't doesn't anybody want to have sex with you, Tom? (laughs) Doesn't anybody want to ever hear your name thrown out when we're talking about who's who's running around? Yeah, I don't. Fortunately, Phil Fulmore no longer has any control over the Tennessee football program, so I got nothing to worry about. Just go away, man. I'm going to walk into the sea. I think that's like another, that's another super college football thing is this, that you might think a place is small and that the amount of power granted you by occupying said position would be not worth, you know, fighting or scheming or plotting over, you know? Au contraire. (laughs) There are people who hang on to the Troy job, right? Like they had to push Larry Blatney's ass out of Troy, Alabama, because he's like, no, my kingdom! Yeah, they got a Publix now. Yeah, see? What? Sir. Yeah. Goodness. Hey, what is Troy close to? Because I don't even know. Auburn. Auburn. Yeah. Oh, got it. 
the so greater the, the greater yeah. the greater Columbus metro area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. like the it's like the Auburn Remora kind. Yeah. Of. It's like it's like Shadow Auburn. So yeah, I I have an uncle who's from Opelika. No, he's not from Opelika. Opelika, but he married two separate women on separate occasions from Opelika, and somehow never <laughs> mentioned in the second that he was once married to another woman from Opelika, and thought that he could keep that a secret. How long did that last? I don't even know if it made it to the altar, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> because he, he, somebody asked the woman where she's from, and she said Opelika. And so somebody reads me and was like, whoa, hi, damn, two women from Opelika. Right? Because <laughs> why would you think that that never came up? Was there a directory? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> this was never going to last. At least as a story. Now is he, like is he from somewhere tiny where he thinks Opelika? That's a big town. They they probably never met. Actually, there might be something to that. <laughs> the big the, my, the big bustle of Opelika. Now, my brother went to Auburn, and nobody's perfect. Yeah, I know. Everybody. It happens in the best of families. And he said, "Okay, when you," he, I went to visit him, and he goes, "Okay, so when you're coming in, this is the first time I'd been there." He goes. What you need to do is you need to go right when you come off the interstate. Because if you go left, you're going to go out to Locopocha. And you don't want to do that. And I was like, well, what am I going to see? And he's like, you still want to go out to Locopocha. I was like, okay, cool. So naturally, I turned left instead of turning right. And I went out to Locopocha. You big dummy. And when I went out to, to Locopocha, he said, uh, I, I saw like a house with like a couple of houses with no doors on them. Not doors open. No doors and people riding ATVs in their front yard where there weren't ATV ramps, but like there were ramps, right? Like doing stunts on ATVs in their front yard. And I was like, yeah, that's not real. And I drove back into Auburn and I was like, I saw houses with no doors on them and people riding ATVs like over uh, deflated kiddie pools in their front yard. And he goes, no, 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 that's right. I know those people. I was like, that's Auburn still. I did a talk day. there and like, how'd that go? Well, it was 2012, the year they went winless in the SEC. Mm -hmm. And I tried to make a small joke about the football program. <laughs> don't even, not even the little guys. Mm -mm. They don't have a sense of humor about those things. They are the University of Big Feelings. Well, that yeah. was... Yeah, they, were, they, were, they, they could not find the humor in that season. Not even a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if I would find the humor in going uh, completely like going winless. Two Try seasons? it sometime. I recommend it. Two seasons after it's very freeing. Two full seasons after getting a national title. Oh yeah, that'd be different. Yeah, that's a little different. Yeah. Like it's different to be skidding along the ground, right? Like, like we're bad, we're bad, we're real bad. Mm. Like that can happen, and some programs can hit that faster. Like UCF, like UCF went from like zero and eleven to undefeated in like three years, right? Now, at Auburn, that really, that can happen in the SEC, mm. right? Like, Auburn is the weirdest, I mean, I just wrote about that, but, like, Auburn is the weirdest program for variance and for expecting anything consistent out of them. Yeah, they, I read the, uh, I greatly enjoyed the piece on uh, Auburn burning everything down for themselves and others. Um, oh, yeah. What a strange right. existence to have. Yeah, the, pro the program that falls asleep with a cigarette on the couch every year. Thank you, Joe. And they love yeah. to cheat. <laughs> the thing that I resent about Auburn that they're coming out of, but the, the thing that I will always carry against them from the cam thing, it's not that they didn't get caught. It's that they were, oh, we would never. <laughs> like, I, I'm going to I'm going to venture out on a really sturdy looking limb here. And I'm going to say that if the Cam Newton thing had gone down at Bama, Bama would have gloried in it and we would have had a lot more fun. As a result, Auburn people insisting that Cam wanted to come to Auburn just because it was Auburn is why I don't like Auburn people. See, I don't know, because like Cam would have been Cam would have had an entirely different coaching thing. Right. Just let me just let me make this about the money. OK, we can make that about the money. Like Bama fans would have trumpeted this. Right. Yeah. I guess some of us are working harder to recruit than others. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Auburn's like, well, you know, it's just that this is a real family. And I'm like, yeah, I asked my family for money, too. It's a matter of... Y'all aren't having enough fun with this. <laughs> I, I insist I to this day to that say, Auburn though, did not have enough fun with this. I do have to say, though, I had a great Cam Newton source during that time. 
and he really did like Auburn. Uh, yeah. I think that like oh, he himself oh, chose Auburn, for me. and then Auburn had to handle step number two. Like him liking it was the necessary condition, but the sufficient one. Ah, now that's a little different. Okay, now how much did Cecil like it? How much? How much did Cecil like it? Wow, he broke up on me. That's thanks. No, can you? Right, yeah, how right, much did? Right when y'all are asking about, it, it sounded like redacted, like redacted amounts. That's when the audio skips Interesting. out. Interesting, and the it full did. cat's just going nuts down it here. It did. It's amazing how we we brought up Cecil Newton's name and our audio started failing. Yeah, don't mess wild. with Cecil. Don't mess with Cecil. He'll get you. He'll get you out of that Howard job too. Auburn fans, let me yes. love you. Have more fun with your cheating. That's all I'm saying. I agree there. Uh, the the entire like Bama LSU dynamic switched after uh, LSU and Jason's son Joe Burrow beat them uh, in Tuscaloosa, which is my favorite thing because uh, God, I love to see that place like more quiet. Love to see that place sad. You just get so many excellent crowd shots of like defeated looking people who look like they were in uh, a Walker Evans photo spread, right? Wow. Yeah. That's a deep pull. It's a deep pull, but I'm going to praise, I'm going to praise famous men. And by that, I mean Ed Ogeron. Cause I've been thinking about this all week and trying to figure it out. But like, is Ed Ogeron the funniest coach to beat Nick Saban? Like, is that the, fu- it's up there. Is, is that the fun? Cause I mean, Hugh Freeze doing it twice is still the funniest. <laughs> Right. Hold on, Les Miles pulled off a back-to-back with Jordan Jefferson. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I'm going to go Hugh Freeze with Chad Kelly and Bo Wallace. (laughs) Yeah. That's funnier in a different way. (laughs) I just want to imagine, were there there those post-game handshakes between... Saban and the opposing quarterbacks that sometimes happen on the on-field. Like, imagine Saban shaking Chad Kelly's hand, <laughs> and Sha- and Chad Kelly like pulls him in for a hug, and then just makes a fart noise in his ear. It's <laughs> like, actually, I, I hate this. I hate, I hate everything I hate happening everything. right now. Everything. The other one that's the other one is is I mean Spurrier beating Saban isn't as funny, but like the quarterback he did it with was Steven Garcia. That's my yes. favorite one forever for that reason. Saban got beat by a guy who buys swords at the mall. Well, I it? mean, it's a different coach, but let us never forget that crazy 2010 LSU win over Florida that had Urban Meyer just unable to even answer questions about Les Miles' strategy in the postgame. That, that was the day in. <laughs> uh, when, 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 when Meyer, Meyer after losses really would just get paralytic. Right. Like he could not, he just lost, he just shut down. He could not speak. He could not articulate anything. No, it gave him like an electrical seizure, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he sounded like somebody whose audio was cutting out, right? Like in his brain. And then when he had to face Les Miles, somebody who I'm sure was sleeping approximately 30 hours more than him a week, every single week, probably, you know, like probably taking an afternoon off to just go hang out with the kids. You know, and then rolls in and is like, yeah, I figured we'd call a couple of fake field goals and run like off tackle. Wow. God, that's all we needed. Let's also recall uh, 2007 Nick Saban lost to Sylvester Croom, Tommy Tuberville and Charlie Weatherby, who currently works for a church in Orlando. Oh, is that the coach that was in Louisiana Monroe? Yeah. Yeah. Coach of the Warhawks. They put up a billboard for that game. They did. Which, yeah, That's I terrific. love that. Like, beat Bama, and then I'm out. That's it. Lawrence Collins. <laughs> I've done top. my work here. And didn't he lose uh, the UAB when he was at LSU? Correct. He did. I believe he lost to the immortal Daryl Hackney. My favorite Damn. quarterback. because he, Yeah, no, Daryl Hackney was like about, I think he was like 5'10", height-wise, and he was about 5'8", width-wise. Like he he looked he looked like a space invader. Like he was just all blocks and pixels. He was huge. But yeah, he lost to UAB when he was at LSU. And remember, I believe uh let's see, was the did they lose they lost to Iowa, did they not? In Nick Saban's last game at yes, LSU? They did. Yeah. Shame of shame. Capital one bow. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't even Drew Brees, Iowa. 
Was that Drew that Tate? Was, that was. Was that Drew Tate? Was it the Brad Banks guy? I don't think it was Brad Banks. I think that was a Drew Tate Hail Mary. Because that was. Yeah, the, I forgot about Drew Tate. Because that was the symmetry is that they had they had Hail Mary'd Kentucky, right? Then the Bluegrass yes. Miracle, and then they got the same thing done to them in the game, which is ten times funnier because I don't know. Like Nick Saban, Nick Saban winning by a Hail Mary, he's just mad about it, right? He's just infuriated that it came down to that. <laughs> he's infuriated that he had to sweat for it. Yeah, he's infuriated that, that like something unplanned caused entitled victory. Entitled millennial Nick Saban, right? It's like ah, something random and good happened. That's the worst thing that could happen to me as a coach. And then something random and bad happened to him, and he's like, "Well, look at that. Could have prevented that." We should also recall Nick Saban is currently on an zero and three streak against Purdue. <laughs> Due to his time at Michigan State, uh, I think he's scared to get that one right. And keep in mind, that would only be freshman and sophomore Drew Brees. Ooh. That's, yeah. Yeah, that Ooh. wasn't – that wasn't. Uh, well, we had a junior. It looks like we had a junior in there, but still, yeah. That's why Bama's ducking Oh, Purdue. yeah, you're right. Jason, right. what would you say about Nebraska? Even Neil – even the moon only let Purdue only walk over at the one time. <laughs> <laughs> Why does this keep happening? Why well, just revert to spur your voice every time I'm taunting? Yeah, that's the the other one that uh, I know it's happened twice now, and we're kind of used to it. But if I told you in 2011 that Dabo Swinney was going to beat Nick Saban twice in high stakes situations, not a fucking clue. Yeah, you'd have had me committed. Most improbable shit in the world. Like this Ozeron shit is pretty crazy in and of itself. But people forget early Dabo looked like a disaster. I mean, early Dabo put like let West Virginia put up seventy in a bowl game. I right? was there. It was beautiful. Yes. That was a great game. I mean, Dabo Dabo took been like coasted off that shit for like nine years. I mean, so have I emotionally. I mean, Dabo. If you'll remember, like Dabo takes so long to get over the hump. Like Taj Boyd lines up. Was this two thousand fourteen? I believe 2013. Um, they line up at FSU, and it's supposed to be an actual game. And Florida State's up, like, I think 31 nothing at the half or 31-7, and they yes. end up winning. Yeah, they end up winning. And this is in Clemson, right? Like, oh, yeah, man, Taj Boyd, they're going to handle They They got this, right? It's going to be good. And Jameis Winston just comes out and shreds them. It was a dis- destruction. Yeah. Also, by the way, I'm pretty sure Clemson loses that the next year, right? I think it's like a it's a yep. it's a much tighter game, but they lose that the next year, like 24 20 or something. Like they don't no, remember the next year was when Jameis was suspended for um, you know acting a fool in the cafeteria, and so oh, I think yeah. the quarterback was like Sean McGuire or something, and they still yeah. beat Clemson. Yeah, still beat a good Clemson team, like a really good Clemson team, a team that like. They probably really should have walked walked through that game easy against Florida State. And by the way, that tells you just how mad they were at Jameis at that point, that they sat him for yeah. that game. <laughs> That's, this is, by the way, of course, AM fans, if you're listening to this, this isn't how it's going to go at AM. No. No, this is different. This is different. Also, no. he's got your money no matter what. <laughs> Hey, man, they like if the price of crude is right, then they're not worried about the money. But if something happens to that price of crude, boy, it's going to get tight on Jim Bubba. This is how AM ends up playing a game in, like, Doha. They end up yes. playing a game in Dubai. <laughs> What's the Qatari Bowl? The Qatari Bowl? I don't know. The Qatari Bowl, uh, like, Texas A&M is definitely one of those teams, right? They're going to end up playing on an indoor ski resort. Yeah, traditional A&M football in an indoor ski resort in Dubai. A&M versus SMU in Jeddah. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm listening. Sunny Dykes in like the robes. Oh, yeah. Feeling this. 